Hello, and welcome to the long and the short of it with me, Sam Maxwell, and my good friend, Aidan Finlay. Today, we've got a very special guest with us, uh, Kerry Batchelder. Just before we begin, um, a little bit about ourselves, because you don't know who we are. Um, I'm Sam. Uh, I'm a fourth year electronic and electrical engineering student at the University of Sheffield. I was a member of the Sheffield Engineering Leadership Academy for two years. Uh, and Aidan. Hi, my name's Aidan Finlay. I'm a final year aerospace engineering student at the University of Sheffield. I spent last year at the University of Florida on my study abroad year and I'm about to um, embark on my career. So we'll see what happens. And, uh, and finally, Kerry, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Sam and Aidan. Really delighted to be here and, and thanks so much for asking me. So um, I'm what's called a Royal Society Entrepreneur in Residence at the University of Sheffield. And um, I've been here for three years uh, working with students and staff to develop new digital projects and partnerships. And then in the rest of my time, I run my own business called Connect and Create. And in this capacity, I um, actively support technology entrepreneurship, uh, digital innovation and technology and digital ecosystem development. Thank you. Fantastic. We're hoping to ask you a little bit more about that today and we'll sort of delve into that a little bit deeper. I think that's really the aim of this is to just try and explore how you've got to where you are, Kerry, um, and me and Aidan will try and pitch in with some of our experiences and just talk a little bit about kind of the youth perspective. What's it like moving between industries, all those different things, a lot of those questions that me and Aidan have talked to our, our friends on, on the course a lot about and, and a lot of people have, but possibly don't get to ask. Um, so we'll kick right off. Aidan, do you want to sort of pose our first question and we'll see how we go? So... Kerry, you've, we, we obviously know you through the Royal Society. We would both be really interested to kind of hear about how it is that that started and what that means, how you would introduce that to someone that's never heard of that position before. Thanks, Aidan. Sounds good. Um, it might be an idea to, uh, for me to give a bit of my career history uh, to kind of give you an indication of how I became a, an entrepreneur in residence, or we call it for short, EIR. Um, so originally, um, I'm a scientist by training. I was a plant molecular biologist. I studied at a, a place called the John Innes Centre in Norwich, which is very well known uh, for his compost. But he also had a research arm, which he set up, and that's where I did my studies. Um, and then I went over to America and I did some postdoctoral research, um, first of all in another plant, uh, a weed called Arabidopsis, and then I moved on to work in a worm called Cenorhabditis elegans, and both of these um, organisms were chosen because they've got a small amount of genetic material, um, and so many researchers around the world work on them. And, and my work was around looking at um, gene regulation, and in worms I looked at um, uh, repression or, or stopping the gene expression um, of um, a, a system in, in the worm. So it was really interesting. Um, but do you know what? In that time, I kind of realised that um, my forte wasn't in research. And um, so after quite a long time, 10 years at the research bench, I, I moved off and I, I, got, I managed to get a position in um, the University of Manchester in a knowledge exchange role. And this was all about helping academic researchers commercialise their ideas. Um, and that gave me the basis of understanding a bit more about business. Um, and I moved much more into commercial roles, uh, both in the healthcare and the digital sectors. Um, and actually recently, um, that enabled me to set up my own business about five years ago. 
So, you know, having this experience um, in industrial science um, meant that I actually had the kind of right uh, eligibility for this Royal Society role. Um, but I hadn't heard about it. And it was someone at the university, um, uh, Dr. Sue Smith in the Sheffield Healthcare Gateway, that really, uh, you know, raised the possibility of this. And she said, oh, Kerry, I think you've got the right kind of background. Why not have a look at it? And um, I, I was a bit... I thought, is this could this really be for me? Because the Royal Society is very prestigious. It's got this huge fellowship of academics, and my ac academic um, history was relatively short. Um, but anyway, um, it, it seemed to be uh, right for me. You know, it asked for this industrial science um, experience and understanding of the interface between universities and industry, and and so I applied and was successful. Um, and so in 2018, I started um, a two-year fellowship. And then uh, two years later, last year, I managed to achieve a, a renewal year. So in total, I'll be uh, an EIR at the University of Sheffield uh, for three years. So what's the objective of the EIR then? So why is it that Royal Society provide these fellowships? Um, so the scheme is really to help um, staff and students in a number of areas. So the first is the translation of research ideas into innovation. Um, the second is supporting new links with industry. And the third is really encouraging a culture of entrepreneurship. And the idea is that EIRs across the country in UK universities um, help in these areas um, really to sort of develop that innovation and entrepreneurship um, community yeah. and approach. And, and this is, of course, how we first came into contact with you um yeah. through and and there is a bit of a plan online uh, me and Aiden do know that sort of shows your uh, what you're aiming to do um with the EIR so we can we can link to that I, I think in the description of this podcast yeah that's how me and Aiden first came in contact with you yeah, you're definitely. involved with um the Sheffield Engineering Leadership Academy yeah which is all part of that plan and so I guess our question there really is what was sort of the impetus what was the sort of drive to get involved with the students on that level and how have you seen Seller kind of grow? Because Seller's very student-led in a lot of ways. So what is it about that approach that works so well? Sure, sure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Sam. So if I give, um, explain like um, what my project was about, because mm. uh, when you applied for the EIR role, you had to have a plan. So everyone has to sort of say in their the different lengths, sometimes uh, uh, one to three years, you know, this is what I plan to do. Yeah. And my project was actually called Digital Accelerator. And uh, the kind of strap line was connecting STEM researchers and students at the University of Sheffield to digital entrepreneurship and innovation. And um, my overriding aim was to create a digital and entrepreneurship ecosystem of technologists and industry working with academia was, and very much to stimulate um, connections and ideas. Yeah. Um, and uh, what inspired it was that I'd worked a lot um, in digital businesses and with digital businesses. And I had the sense that there was a lot of capability out there and a lot of potential, um, such as around technologies like Internet of Things, AI, uh, VR and AR, virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, and that potential, there was a lot of potential to kind of link that up with the university and yeah. to create new projects and partnerships. And by working together to help, you know, larger industry and corporates, for example, in manufacturing and healthcare to solve challenges. 
Um, and as part of that, um, one of my big themes uh, was working with Seller, I specifically selected to work with Seller, um, working with uh, Dr. Gary Wood, uh, the head of the programme, um, on creating industry, industry for ready graduates. So that kind of um, led the way to work with Seller. And I, yeah. I can't tell you, I've been so delighted to work with Seller. It's just, it's just been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Gary and I have worked together really well. And I think a key thing for me was the fact that Gary had a very established program that I could just slot into. It's, it's worked fantastically. Yeah. So I guess I guess just to pitch in with that. So Seller, for, for everyone that's listening, is it, it's a two-year undergraduate program at the University of Sheffield that that takes on high potential um, engineering students in the faculty and really kind of gives them gives them support and, and develops their individual leadership um, and kind of team working capabilities and I, I guess you, you're talking about Gary Dr Gary Wood who's I guess Seller's kind of his his child he's he's the he's the director the, the lead of of Seller um how how did you first get to meet Gary um well actually that's a good question Aidan and it was through a, another connection in Sheffield um who introduced me um for a particular reason actually I was looking to recruit uh, startup businesses for a technology program and I just wondered if Gary had known any uh, startups coming out of the university and if that was suitable um, and he, he didn't you know it wasn't he wasn't seeing you know, a huge pipeline coming out so that didn't work out but when I was writing the plan I, I remembered speaking to Gary and I was like you know I, I think um, this might be a suitable person who might know students who would benefit from learning more about digital skills and of yeah. course he was the perfect person so it was very <laughs> lucky um, and and just to give you an example of how we've worked together um, is that um, Gary had very much you know set up the program and, and you know very comprehensively um, but there was kind of one gap that needed a bit more development and it was around the second year project yeah. Um, so Gary and I sat down and, and we thought, well, how could we how could we develop them? Um, and together we thought what would be great is if we kind of kind of had an overarching theme that yeah. we could kind of delve into and inform people about, but then give people specific projects within that. So in the first year that um, I was involved, 2018, uh, we did a, a theme about Internet of Things. We had specific projects around healthcare, manufacturing, and um, urban sensing. And then uh, 2019, our theme was big data, which I think both of you were involved in. You can tell us about your projects shortly. Yeah. And then the third year, uh, the current year, we're working on um, the theme of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Yeah. So, um, and they, they, they've just worked really well I think having a students look at real world challenges and having a particular technology approach to address uh, the challenge and think of solutions has just worked very well we've seen some great results uh, one of which was the digital manufacturing group uh, in IOT um, they were um, highly commended in the digital for industry section of the Sheffield Digital Awards so, you know, this is the type of thing that students can do. It's phenomenal. What are both of your projects? Um, so I, I work with uh, Tinsley Bridge, 
Um, we'll we'll name drop Alex Kelly at this point, <laughs> who um, is is a great friend of mine now. Um, after the project, really, um, who um, who did some data analysis work with us, or rather, we did some data analysis work with him, um, and we were looking at energy efficiency. Um, so I was doing a lot of analysis on the energy efficiency of the site and trying to understand where their factory could be improved and trying to be granular with the information that they have and make suggestions about how they could get better information to, to get better insights. And that was something that was amazing from our point of view because we we got to work with real information um, and, and real you know factory managers, technicians on the shop floor. We got to speak to those people and try to really and really make an impact, really make a difference, you know, in in the third year of our degrees. Um, and I, you know, I I I hope that from Alex's side it was beneficial because he got, you know, some people. Um, uh, my good friend Rob Boland, who's a computer science student who we know quite well, um, was helping me out as well, and he got a couple of students to actually do his data analysis for him um, <laughs> and and help and help them learn that process but also then get the output of that at the end um and so i think that's where i wanted to delve into as well is there's this fantastic communication between students and industry that i I know both me and aiden have definitely experienced throughout this process a lot of people we we meet a lot of people that we know on the course that step into industry is something that they Mm. it's quite a large barrier and, you know, we, me and Aiden were fortunate. We have support with that mm. to go and speak to these people. But how do you, you know, how do you cultivate that initial mm. relationship? Can you shed some light on that? Because that's something we know you're fantastic at, Karen. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I suppose what I would suggest is really get kind of at university, getting involved in lots of different things and kind of um, through through that way, you get in touch with different people. So, for example... In some of the hackathons I've supported, um, the one called Hacksessible, you know, we've had people from the NHS, we've had people from Dyson, uh, from Siemens, you know, they've all got involved. And this is a way in a kind of relaxed environment to to get to know people from industry um, and to, you know, to understand really what their requirements are for industrial uh, uh, graduate positions, for example. And, And the other thing is through... Uh, things like seller th- um, uh, shorter programs perhaps like hackathons you actually start to learn those kind of industry ready skills that you need so maybe some of what we'd call the softer skills so it might be kind of team working might be collective problem solving um, you know perhaps some creative brainstorming that type of thing um, and I think you know in that way it it almost seems like it's fun actually it's fun to to do these activities and 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 actually a place that Aidan's very familiar with uh, at the university is iforge and i think in a similar way through the maker space um and through the fact that it's student led um you guys have got to take the responsibility uh, about doing lots of things you know it actually lends itself to uh, taking on and and developing the right type of attributes and capabilities that that you need for industry roles yeah mhm mhm yeah i totally agree with that i mean i think that's something that me and Aiden have both experienced and i think it's quite interesting um from having now done that in the sense that places like iforge the hackathon events siemens run a hackathon at the uni every year um but i think initially when i arrived at university i was quite nervous 
about all of that because you know you you come from school and you arrive and and you just kind of think well how well, how do i make that leap mm. but to to that it seems like a world away from where you yeah. are and obviously your degree helps you with the technical side but what no one tells you is how do i like present in a meeting how do i discuss my ideas with a senior engineer mm. or how, all those things yeah. And that's quite a, a nervous experience. And I think that's what works so well about things like the iForge and Seller is that it does provide a, an avenue to, to test that out without it being the be-all and end-all because there is this kind of learning element to it as well. You, you know, the iForge is a wonderful example of that in the sense that we try and encourage people to come in just to make something. Mm-hmm. And even if they completely fail, you know, the materials are provided there's access to a lot of stuff for free and so it's it's there's no there's nothing riding on it as much um and i think that really helps so that's certainly something that we've experienced yeah and it also kind of gives you it kind of empowers you to 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 make those connections and to reach out to people that that may be useful and may may be able to connect people together i think those are the kind of lessons that kind of that um, like seller teaches you and I mean doing my final year project mm-hmm. I don't really think twice about reaching out to people now uh, whereas that, at the start of my degree that was something that I wasn't comfortable doing whereas in fact yeah. you get so many opportunities from doing that just by impact, being empowered yes. to do that yeah definitely and and I'd say what's really interesting is that you know this isn't just um, kind of ad hoc examples the fact is that um, through all these schemes and, and what I'm seeing um, through students taking part in these types of activities is very much industry ready graduates um, and we've seen people getting jobs in the likes of uh, Ocado, Deloitte, IBM, AMRC um, very much helped by these extracurricular programs and co-curricular programs that are augmenting uh, what they've learned during their degrees um, so I think you know there's a lot to be said for um, you know, the kind of active program that's going on at Sheffield um, around the, you know, the, the sort of typical academic uh, program that's really sort of enabling students to take things to the next level. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that we're seeing is some of these, the, the kind of confidence building that we're getting um, and the attributes um, in addition to the sort of technical skills is, it, is allowing people to explore uh, entrepreneurship pathways so, for example, starting their own business and both from the hackathons and from Seller, we've seen the early stages of quite a few uh, startup businesses, uh, which I find particularly exciting and, and which is influencing what I'm, what I'm doing now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think what I'm finding interesting is actually by um, having these types of programs, it, it's perhaps changing mindsets about what people think they can do. And it's not just about um, a, perhaps a typical graduate program. It could be a lot more flexible than that. And, and I think that's really important anyway, because let's face it, the whole jobs landscape is changing, particularly at the moment. Um, and that ability to be agile and to kind of think differently about your career and of what you might do and what you might try. And like Aidan said, that confidence to reach out to people um, and, and seek help where you might need it to try something different is increasingly important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I absolutely hit the nail on the head there because I think 
I certainly from our from our experience, I'll, I'll, well, I'll let him speak for himself, but certainly from my experience, the the confidence element of it was was huge. Again, in terms of realizing that you did have something worthwhile to say, um, and that people were interested to hear what you had to say, even though you're young and maybe not that experienced, but that perhaps yeah, just because you were younger and you didn't have ten years in a certain industry didn't necessarily mean that you you didn't have something to contribute and I think that's a big barrier for a lot of students is translating that their their technical knowledge into then sort of standing up and going actually I think I think that and that's a a huge leap because you kind of have to put your stamp on it and go that's what that's what I think Mm -hmm. um and I think that's where these programs help so much because you really can do that Mm -hmm. and and it's and it's in an environment where you're kind of being encouraged to do that without yeah again without this kind of feeling that it's a make or break thing it's it's about learning about that as well so it's fantastic yeah to think to be involved in and I, and I, th- and I think that was one of the um kind of decision points in terms of bringing in the digital skills and the development in that area because this is something that industry really needs you just need to listen to Siemens around their connected curriculum or Dyson with their new uh, diet program, um, which sounds like a diet, but it's actually an industrial and engineering training, I believe. Um, but, you know, it's it's because they're not seeing the right skills come out. Um, and so that they, you know, they're, they're developing their own programs. But the fact is, you know, digital skills um, and some of the technologies I've talked about, you know, these are these are really, you know, fundamental um, capabilities to have and and then in addition um you know these the things like problem solving and creative thinking um an interesting resource actually uh, for skills needed for the future is the world economic forum and and i think nearly every year they produce um evidence-based information about the the types of uh, jobs and skills that are needed i mean that that leads quite nicely onto one of the questions that sam and i had kind of coming into this is Kerry, you've worked with a lot of students at the university and you, you've had a, had a really good opportunity um, to see kind of students as, as whole people and seeing the range of skills that they have, not necessarily just their academic skills, but also how they work in teams and such. But are there any capabilities or skills that you kind of consistently see that students may, may not have developed fully or don't quite appreciate the value of going into industry? Yeah, thank you, Aidan. Um... So you've touched on one already, and and that is uh, for students not having sufficient confidence in themselves to reach out to people who could potentially help them in a project or with their work. And uh, I always want to say to them, you know, there's a whole host of people out there who'd be delighted to help you. And, you know, half an hour of their time, they'll they'll willingly give it uh, to support young people and to support students in their career development. So... I, I think I see a, a kind of nervousness and a shyness often to do that. And, and maybe that's particularly in engineers. I can't, I've mainly worked with um, engineers, so <laughs> it, could, it could be outside as well, but I'm guessing it's a, a, probably a particular issue um, for, for, uh, for uh, your colleagues. And, sometimes, and, and like you said, you, you, you both have become more com- confident as a result of Seller. Um, 
So, so that that's one. Um, another one I find, and I don't know if it's you know because I'm a bit older and things are different now, um, but one of them is around how you communicate with people professionally. And uh, what I've seen quite a lot of is fairly casual communication, including when people are going for jobs, um, including when they're asking for help. And I think that needs to be tightened up a lot into something quite a lot more respectful yeah. and, um, and, you know, yet, like I say, professional. Um, so, for example, when, when you're emailing somebody for a request, um, or, or contacting them maybe through LinkedIn. I think it's really important to not just say, I want a phone call with you, something that blunt, but actually to say, oh, you know, I noticed you published an article recently. This was really interesting. Um, and I'd love to discuss this with you. Um, would you have time for this? And, uh, you know, also it would be great to ask you a couple of questions about my career direction, something like that. It's just to frame it in the right way um, yeah. so that, that essentially you, you look interested in the other person and then they might be more um, might be more likely to be interested in you and to help you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that slightly builds on um, something that I, I'd looked at before we spoke and about uh, maintaining and building networks. Um, which is so fundamental uh, yeah. to your career uh, progression and your 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 future development. Um, and I think what drives me in in building networks and being a kind of connector person is that I'm I really find it interesting to hear about what people are doing, what makes them tick. You know, it's just something that particularly interests me. And I mean, in a way, I actually uh, built my own business around it, which is called Connect and Create which is fundamentally really about making connections. Um, and who knew you could build a business like that, you know, but it's kept me going for over five years. So there must've been something in it. Um, so, you know, but I, I know sometimes that's like kind of what I really enjoy and it's not necessarily what everybody likes, but it really is a fundamental, isn't it? To, um, you know, applying for jobs and, you know, building project teams um, you know, collaborating on larger scale programs is always going to be about, you know, maintaining um, a network and uh, creating new connections. So um, one of the one of the ways I really approach this is to go. I go to a lot of events um, and even whether now they're online or whether they're in person. And um, and I think it's sometimes scary for students, but just going up and saying hello to someone particularly if they're kind of in an open group and you can pop in um yeah. you might not have to say too much you could just be an active listener but actually you'd kind of you know you get gradually more accepting that this isn't too scary and it's something you can do and, and something really important i suggest to people is go to things that you're interested in it makes a huge difference if you go to like things you, you only got a peripheral peripheral interest in you're just not going to be so engaged you're not going to want to speak to people so that's really important and then the second thing is keeping in touch after you've met people and that could be all the different social channels and emails um, in a similar way to I mentioned before you know again have that kind of professional um, you know building of mutual respect you know what's what's going on with them you know how could you help them yeah. And I think in that way, you start to show that you're an authentic, 
kind of collaborator and that you're a person that they might want to build a relationship with in the longer term. And then in the future, it's going to be so much easier to give them a call and say, would you like to be involved in this project? Would you like to fund this project? And you can kind of get things going. And the last thing I'd say is, you know, if someone's really helped you out, always say thank you. I, I, I once um, got some advice that I was thinking of, bec of becoming a patent attorney. And um, I had a, a meeting with somebody and um, afterwards I sent them a thank you, a writ handwritten thank you note. That was some long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. But th th apparently they had that had hardly ever happened to them when um, when they'd given advice. And so I, I, I really, you know, I struck a chord with them and they always remembered me after that. So um, mm -hmm. it's that type of thing, you know, being courteous can get you a long way and um you know, people will remember and want to help you in the future. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I really really like that about the the handwritten note. I, I kind yeah, of that I, is a little a soft spot for me because my my grandpa was a patent attorney. Oh, there um, you go. I didn't he's know. one of the one of the big inspirations in my life. Fantastic, fantastic. It ended up not being the route for me, and and I and the same goes for science actually, and mainly it's because I was better interacting with people than I was with the detail. I, I'm kind of an attention to detail person, but, um, you know, that kind of thinking that you need as a, a like a patent attorney or, and as a scientist, you know, it's a real skill of discipline. And um, I, I tended to have more fun out there um, chatting and, yeah. and networking and making connections. So I think yeah. in that way, it's each to their own. But I think what it demonstrates is how useful it is to explore different professions and make sure you chat to the experts, you know, like your grandfather would have been and, and, and find out if it's for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Kerry, one of the main challenges that, that students coming to the end of the degree face is, is that big prospects of trying to find a graduate job. And are there, is there any advice that you have for, for students that are looking for employment after university? Yeah, definitely, Aidan, thanks. Um, so I've just got a, a, a nice example I wanted to share with you. And uh, one of the seller cohort um, actually got in touch with me to say they were looking for a job, and um, which was great. And they said they had a few ideas about what where they were looking. And so I, I wrote back and said, well, I'm aware of these various businesses in our region that, that you might be interested in talking to. So the reason I mentioned that, it, it was an example of someone reaching out to me, part of their current network, um, and, and kind of just flagging up um you know their situation yeah. anyway so i like to be on twitter quite a lot as you know and um while i was on twitter i i spotted a job um and i thought goodness this would fit this person perfectly so i i pinged it across to them and lo and behold they've got the job now wow fantastic <laughs> so um so the re yeah the reason for mentioning that is definitely reach out to people you know let them know that you're looking for a job the kind of thing that you're searching for and you never know they might they might know somebody or they might spot something like i did on social media yeah. and, and then suddenly it could make it a lot easier for you yeah. um, the other thing is to really have a look for people in the kind of industries that you're looking to go into um, learn about them learn about the industry and then kind of send a, an informed note to them like i described before um, about you know why you'd be interested in finding out more would they be willing to have a chat with you about what they do and the kind of opportunities that that might be in their 
in their frame of reference. And then, you know, then you could kind of tweak it to say, well, actually, I'd be interested in a job in this area. And in, in a way, it's that kind of softer approach. Um, generally, people will be more willing to speak to you if it's just finding out information rather than if you're actually looking for a particular position. And, mm. and through that dialogue, you could actually understand a lot more about a particular industry and the nature of roles within it and therefore tailor your approach going forward whether that's through a network approach or whether it's through an application. Um, yeah. Also, make use of LinkedIn. LinkedIn is on fire at the moment uh, in the pandemic. You know, it's a really, people are finding it, that you know, they're not seeing each other at events um, and therefore it's being, it's very active. Um, you know, put your own post out. You know, this is me. This is what I do. This is what I'm looking for. And again, even if you don't get a job immediately out of it, you'll have put yourself to top of somebody's mind and you could regularly be posting about things you're interested in and that type of thing. Again, you're developing your personal brand and you're getting it out there that you're looking for an interesting role. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> Sorry, that's Three it. really useful pieces of advice there. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> advice there. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that, um, that, I mean, there's, there's some tidbits in there that, certainly will help me in, in future job hunts so absolutely yeah. I think, and i guess i guess touching on it i mean that's one of the things that the programs that that care you've supported at the university have really helped it kind of you everyone hears that building a network is a great thing to do and you can get a job from it but then people go well, well how, how do i do that um how am i gonna how am i gonna build this network and what's it gonna look like and how is it gonna work and it actually kind of hearing those those kind of skills and, and developing them through programs like seller at the university really kind of answer those questions that students have and and, and put them in a prepared position by the yeah. time they reach the end of the degree thank Thanks, you yeah definitely and I, I think kind of the way i look at it is you know like say you might have your friends on facebook um but you know you you, you trust your friends you you have mutual respect i think in a similar way you kind of apply that but just in a kind of business context and you think about, say, LinkedIn in that way. But again, you think about, you know, treating people in the way that you'd like to be treated and, and, and great things can come of it. And uh, but a particular message for me is, you know, really do something that you're passionate and interested in and and it will come naturally and you, you'll have fun and you'll have a great career. Fantastic. Thank you. I think that, that quite neatly ties us into kind of another question that Sam and I had, which was about that transition that you had from from academia to industry. Because that's quite quite a quite a big jump, and there must have been quite a lot of fears and, and thoughts about about making that step. So I wondered whether you would kind of be able to build on that. Yeah, of course, of course, yes. So, um, so yeah, because I was at uh, the research bench for ten years, so it was a really big transition for me to leave. Um, but actually, for some time, I had been looking to to move on because I kind of knew it wasn't utilizing my skill base um, in the right way. Um, but, you know, saying that I, I had amazing experiences, you know, I was a postdoc at Harvard Medical School and at Harvard University. And so I feel really privileged to, have, you know, had had those times and met the people that I did and and to see the caliber of science and scientists um, to be exposed to that was really special. And um, but it, at the same time, it still wasn't right for me. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it was it was hard to kind of um, 
to understand that and uh, and also kind of not to feel like a failure and I think you know a lot of people in academia they don't make it to be a professor it's a tiny percentage uh, where that happens and and actually it's to understand that the kind of scientific training can prepare you for so much and and uh, whether that's at degree level um, or a PhD or postdoctoral level Um, so I think what really surprised me when I made the transition was actually all of this stuff in science and engineering, it really prepares you for lots of different things. Um, and I think that's why I want to make sure everyone kind of thinks outside the box in any way they can to make sure that they kind of grasp the dream and vision that they want to, because essentially by your training, you, you fundamentally have, have the right skills. So just to give you an example, you know, because I was a kind of researcher, um, you know, I spent loads of time planning projects, setting up collaborations, presenting at conferences, analysing data. And lo and behold, when I moved to a different role outside the, re- off, you know, off the research bench, outside academia, I was using all of these skills. And I can remember smiling a lot because I was thinking, who knew? <laughs> who knew that this was like, it kind of felt a bit easy, actually, at the beginning. I don't think it always is easy, but for me at the beginning, um, I moved into a role where I was helping um, academics commercialize ideas uh, and also people in the NHS. Wow. And it just, I, I just had so much fun. I just loved it. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think I, I did also love the science, but I think, like I said, the kind of the detailed nature of it, um, you know, I needed to spread my wings and, and, and interact with people. And, and that's definitely where I find that I'm most innovative. And I, and I think yeah, exploring that is, is really important. Um, and when I look back, you know, I was at the bench for 10 research bench for 10 years. And, and do I regret that? Not really, because, again, because I, I was exposed to such great stuff and it's informed what I've done in the future. So I've used my science background in many different roles and I suppose I continue to today. Um, And so, um, yeah, I think I I think go where your heart is, but also, you know, don't necessarily look back with regret because everything will prepare you um, for future possibility. Mm. And that's fantastic. You know, I think that really strikes a a key theme that we've been going through here a lot is it's about this idea, you know, do what drives you and, and, and do what you enjoy, because that helps in all areas. Um, certainly and and the transfer of skills from academia to industry I mean that that's something that um, you know me and Aidan will experience a little bit with placement but it is amazing just how much it does prepare you for sort of the other side of the coin because it's all the same stuff isn't it it's absolutely all the same stuff it's just kind of in a slightly different costume but it's still there (laughs) in the background Um, And, and it does make you smile. I remember um, doing a presentation on um, a placement I did in my second year and and writing this the slides out and thinking to myself, oh, no, I've got to stand in front of a load of people I don't know. They're quite senior. I've, I've no idea what I'm going to say. I've no idea whether they're going to want to listen. Are they just going to roll their eyes at me at the end and you'll start snoring or something? You know, all the worst possible images come into your head, don't they? But then you're you're writing things on the slides and you think well actually this is just the same analytical skills that I've been using in my degree I'm still trying to convey information it might be slightly different but I'm 
I'm still trying to go through that same process fundamentally. And, and actually, I'm still boiling things down because I can't fit it all in. So I've got to keep it simple. And with that, then comes something that really you can convey much more easily. And it's, it's fascinating to hear you say that, that that's still true, because um, that's certainly something that we we've experienced. But even, yeah, it, it, it holds true, I think, for everybody that that that, that transfer is, is possible yeah, yeah de- def- definitely definitely um i mean w- one thing we'd, we'd mentioned was about you know i've changed a uh, job a lot and changed mm-hmm. sector a lot um this might sound a bit cringy but sometimes i think of myself as kind of an old millennial because you know <laughs> I've, for a long time i've had this kind of portfolio career and i sort of my husband would say i do a lot of job hopping um but I think, do you know where, well, I, I kind of go where it's interesting and I want to kind of, I have the opportunity to keep learning. Um, but in some ways, what's helped me decide what I want to do and where I want to put my energies is is a kind of lot of self-reflection. Um, uh, there's a lot of great um, careers books out there. So, for example, a really popular one is called What Colour Is Your Parachute? Um, and things like that, where you can really evaluate, you know, what's important to you and you know what what your values and vision are um and and i think I, I did that really quite late in my career uh sort of really looked at what my values were and how i could align my career to those but ever ever since i did that i found it really powerful it it's really made me assess opportunities um to see you know is it a good am i a good fit with with this opportunity and is it going to help me make the kind of impact I'd like to? And and for me, that's been transformative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this topic of self-reflection, I think that's a, a massive one. I mean, that's certainly something that I've been doing over the last year. And the lockdown has provided a fantastic platform for that um, yeah. because things have slowed down a little bit in areas. And so I, that leads in perfectly then we wanted to ask you so what's next um we know you've recently moved to a new job um so what what's next um in in your plan cool thank you yeah yeah no, i'm a bit of a busy bee at the moment um so yeah so um so i've been self-employed for five years and done really interesting projects and a lot of them have been around a digital ecosystem and kind of connecting the digital community perhaps with more traditional sectors Um, But it's also been around supporting uh, technology entrepreneurs. And I think that as well as uh, my work with Seller and and seeing the kind of entrepreneurial um, possibility emerging uh, with the different projects, um, it's really kind of focused me on uh, technology entrepreneurship. And so from the 1st of December, um, I started a new role with an organization called Capital Enterprise. And they are uh, badged as startup experts um, in London. And increasingly, they're looking to develop in the rest of the UK. And South Yorkshire is the kind of first real big development um, outside London. And what they're trying to create is to really to supercharge the uh, ecosystem to support tech startups and scale ups. And um, uh, I'm one of the regional leads, and uh, along with my colleague, Samantha Deakin, who's been very involved in university entrepreneurship in the past. And together, um, our role initially is to embed a number of different programs um, that will be like business support 
activities uh, for kind of people thinking about developing a business and those already with a concept who want to move things forward. Um, and we'll be doing it in a number of themes. So, for example, it could be in healthcare, manufacturing, could be in space. Um, so we're really getting that going now. Um, there's a, a lot of activity and a, a lot of interest and traction in the region, which is exciting. Um, and so we'll be working closely with all our partners, which includes the University of Sheffield, uh, to put these programs in place and uh, hopefully to help people on their journey if, if they're interested in entrepreneurship and creating their own ventures. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Sounds wonderful. A very, very busy bee. <laughs> very, very. I was going to say you, you sound extremely busy. Um, um, and I suppose I think with that, um, we'll we'll sort of move to wrapping up. Um, but that all sounds so fantastic, Carrie. Um, oh, thank you. I mean, driving startup businesses and and in the region I, I, it's a huge thing um and i we've recently been seeing some stuff with, around the university pre-accelerators and things like that the university is trying to start up as well it's going to be a massive area i think going forward and and sheffield's amazing um i think i know we'll do a big plug for sheffield now and south yorkshire is that there is so much activity going on i think that's what really surprised me when i when i got to university was actually there's so many people doing so many fantastic things yeah. um, at different companies, at different institutions around the university, whether that be the AMRC or some of the other research mm-hmm. organizations that are there. There's so much going on. Um, and so it, it, it sounds like a perfect place to start oh. that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> thank you, yeah. sir. And, and yeah, I think with that, thank you so much for, for giving up your time. Um, we, we really, really appreciate it. It's been fascinating talking to you. Um, and um, we hope everyone's sort of enjoyed enjoyed the conversation. Um, and we might see you next time. <laughs> Who knows? Thank you. Um, Thank, you so much. Uh, Thank you. Really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you very much, Thank Gary. You. Thank, Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for chatting to me. Great.